You're listening to Rowan Radio On Demand. Download more podcasts at rowanradio.com. The following program does not represent the views or opinions of the staff or administration of Rowan University or Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents A Community Affair, a weekly program where we discuss with national and local newsmakers important issues that impact our community. And now, here's your host, WGLS-FM Public Affairs Director, Megan Steckler. Welcome to A Community Affair. I'm your host, Megan Steckler, and today we are here to welcome Dr. Chris Goldberg. Dr. Goldberg is an experienced and accomplished educator, journalist, entrepreneur, and author. Although he recently retired from teaching full-time, he continues to make an impact on students' lives as an adjunct professor at Temple University in Philadelphia, while also launching a career as a children's book author on critical social issues. Dr. Goldberg's upcoming book, Aaliyah and the STEM-sational Problem Solvers, Cooking Up the Winning Dessert, addresses the positives of STEM education and promotion of women and women of color in the STEM field. So Dr. Goldberg, thank you so much for joining me today. It's so great to be here, Megan. Very, very pleased and very honored. So jumping right into it, I understand that you obtained a Bachelor of Science in English and Journalism at the University of Delaware and then earned a Master of Art in Special Education at Westchester University. How did your education in journalism help guide you to pursue a career in education? Or in other words, why did you make the switch from journalism to education? Yeah, it's a great question. The answer is really, I think I grew a lot during my journalism career and started to develop a much more self-awareness of where the world was. And in the early 90s, having spent nine years as a newspaper sports writer and news reporter, kind of ended up working in a youth detention center in Montgomery County and worked with juveniles who were struggling with their lives and really saw the world through their eyes in a little different way than I had seen it and really kind of made me think about going into becoming a teacher and the skills I learned in journalism, interviewing, writing have helped tremendously. i written a lot of grants, ended up getting a doctor, which I would have never thought I would do. But it really helped me become a lot more well-rounded as a journalist to pursue a career in education. Plus, newspapers changed. I I was a little bit disenchanted with the direction of journalism and newspapers. You know, the old-fashioned newspaper has changed dramatically, and I really wanted to make an impact in the world and nothing better than education. Absolutely. Education is a huge, a huge field. So could you briefly talk a little bit more about your background and your contributions to the education field? Yes, I started off as a computer teacher and it started to morph into teaching students uh, computer science, even at a very young age, because I taught students in first middle school and then first through eighth grades. And just a tiny history, National STEM Day was created in uh, about 15 years ago because our country, it was clear from our educational leaders and other leaders, we were falling behind in the sciences and the computer sciences and, and most of the STEM fields. And there was a push you know, a few years later, much more push to teach students computer science skills. And that morphed and helped us morph much more into robotics and problem solving and so many of the areas of STEM. So I started to get more training and teaching all areas of STEM. Teaching it to younger students was just fantastic because they soak up information and they loved it. It was a new thing to teach uh, kindergartners how to program, and I got to do that. So over the last 
seven, eight years of my career, there was a large focus on teaching STEM in the area of technology. That's a fantastic opportunity to teach young minds about STEM at such an early age. That's fantastic. Continuing on, while researching your accomplishments, could you talk a little bit more about the marquee who's who and how you're included in that biographical source? I think the who's who, they seem to be able to find people that have done more than one thing. I guess because I did education and still an educator, now even as a college professor part-time, I was a journalist. I think they found me really through that. I did win a nice honor as a STEM teacher. I called him the all-pro teacher through the Philadelphia Eagles that sponsored this great STEM teacher of the year, and I was fortunate enough to get nominated. So I, I think they're trying to look for people that, were, that are trying to make an impact, and that's all I'm trying to do in different ways. I was also a sports coach for middle school girls soccer and lacrosse. Just getting varied experiences was great for me, and, and I think that I was lucky to be recognized for that. Based on your background and all the things that you have accomplished, why did you choose to write children's books promoting STEM educations? Clearly, having taught younger students and seeing the value and then learning through research about how important it is to encourage, turn on young students, especially young ladies and students of color to STEM at a young age where they may not in the past have been exposed to it was such a big part of why I love being an educator. And then when I did decide to retire from public schools, I had had this idea to continue being an educator by writing a children's book on STEM. So it's a fictional story, but based around an incredible woman. Her name is Dr. Gladys West. I wanted to have a role model, a really worthy role model that would be kind of the inspiration for the book and the main character, if there is one in my story. A lot of people say, who's Dr. Gladys West? Well, Every one of us uses what she helped create or basically was the focus of creating. We use it all day long, every day. It's the GPS device. And Dr. West was the one who really developed and led the team that created the model for what became the GPS back in the 60s, 70s, into the 80s. And no one had recognized it until just four years ago which is incredible. She's African-American woman who accomplished things against odds that are just amazing. And she was incredibly humble about it. And no one really recognized her until it came out four years ago. Now she's in the Pentagon Hall of Fame. And if you Google her name, you'll see that she's the one credited for creating all the uh, research and the calculations for the GPS. When you when you look at it, you know, you've heard of the hidden figures. I think almost everybody has by now. African-American women that really got us into space, got us back from Apollo 13. Great movies been written on it. Many, many books now. Dr. Gladys West is considered the most hidden figure because still very few people know who she is. But people are all learning who she is. She's still alive. She wrote the foreword for my book. I have communicated with her family. It's an honor beyond all levels to have her involved in any way in the story in the elementary school that we're I'm writing about. It's three nine-year-old is named after her and her inspiration is really what drives the story. And it's a great story. And it's so important to recognize anyone from all cultures that have made incredible contributions in the area of STEM so that we have role models for all students. And we were not recognizing these role models and we're starting to do that now. So that's why this book is so important. 
I actually did not know who Dr. Gladys West was before doing my research. And she sounds like an incredible focal point of this book and this story. So I'm very happy that you recognize her in this story that you wrote. So you are an adjunct professor at Temple University, but I'm curious to know why you didn't go back to maybe substituting at a younger age level, since it is so important for students to get that sort of reinforcement in STEM fields at a younger age. Actually, I did. I I didn't tell you about that. I did substitute just a little bit this year. I got on several different sublists. They didn't have a lot of time because I was spending a lot of time on the book and with Temple, but I I do feel the need and I I like to be in the classroom and I like to see where STEM is in other schools. So I, I did sub just a little bit this year. And then when I was supervising student teachers with Temple, I would always go into the technology and STEM rooms and I saw some incredible things going on in Philadelphia School District. And there are some amazing things going on in Philadelphia suburbs as well. So I will continue to get into schools and I'm heading into a couple Catholic schools to talk to some STEM teachers as well. But yes, I will continue pursuing that because it is very important to me. Nice that you would recognize that. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, of course. I just noticed it. I was so surprised to hear that you were an adjunct professor since you said that you wanted to reinforce and promote at a younger age. So I was kind of surprised to see that you went back to university level. Why is it so critical to represent these hidden figures in STEM? I know that you touched on it a little bit, but I wasn't sure if you had anything else to add. Yeah, to touch even more, one of the reasons why we have a tremendous underrepresentation of women in the STEM fields, mostly other than the medical fields and the biology fields, women in general are very underrepresented and women of color are tremendously underrepresented. There's several key reasons. One is the lack of role models, the lack of recognition, and these stereotypes that girls aren't as good as boys in science and math, or women of color aren't able to achieve these goals, and they haven't. They have. We just have not brought it to light anywhere near enough. And then as educators, and I was given a lot of training in this area, young ladies excel in the elementary years in math and science, sometimes more than young men. However, when they get to the middle school ages, social norms and social you know, pressures and where students of color or young ladies head to when they start to think about careers, they're not encouraged enough and pushed enough into the sciences and the maths and programming and computer science. And it's up to us educators to do that. When you see a young lady or a young man or young any student that has this ability and you see that they have the love for it, we as educators must promote that, must encourage that and bring that along. And that's what's so important about this. Absolutely. You have to push their love for STEM for them to understand that it's really something that they can pursue because I I absolutely understand that societal norms and a lot of women aren't in STEM fields that they feel pressured that they shouldn't or they can't pursue those fields where they absolutely can. You already touched on this, but STEM is primarily a male dominated field. So why do you think it is so important for women and women of color to pursue a field in STEM? It's a great question. Um, You probably know, and I think a lot of people have heard this, you know, when you go into the supermarket and they don't even have employees there checking out, it's all computerized because everything now is programmed. And the amount of STEM jobs that are going to be opening, that are open now and that are opening as years to come 
we have in this country a tremendous lack of able students that are headed towards those fields. We need more women to continue just fulfilling the openings, number one, and to get different perspectives. And we can't just depend on one gender to fill such an important need in this country and beyond in the STEM field. There are so many opportunities available for young ladies, young men to go into this field. We do not encourage them and we do not bring out this potential that they have. We're going to be shorthanded and we're going to be contracting out. And we've already learned that the more we have to contract out or farm out jobs or farm out equipment or farm out any needed goods in this country, look at what it's caused us, the trouble that we have. We have skilled and intelligent students in this country, and we need to bring them out, male, female, color, all backgrounds and cultures so that we can maximize our students and their potential. What are some challenges and or obstacles of encouraging women and minorities to enter the STEM field? One of the biggest things is really the lack of training for a lot of the teachers that are out there that are teaching STEM. I was very lucky because I spent three years actually as a STEM coach and halftime coach and halftime teacher. I was sent all over to get tremendous amounts of training, but it may not be the same training that they've received for teachers in other areas. So we need to increase the level of STEM training, professional development. That's one thing I am doing a little bit in my job at Temple, and I'm helping student teachers get some extra training because I'm working with them, you know, in their classes a little bit in the STEM area. But to unify, there's just, I think, a push now to have really like a STEM certification. There are a lot of universities now that are offering STEM education minors, but it's such a new field. It really is only seven, eight, nine years old especially at the young ages, and learning how to make STEM an integrated part of the curriculum is very key. It's not a subject. STEM is not a subject. It's not like it's science, technology, engineering, and math subject. STEM needs to be you know, pushed into every subject, and it's part of every subject because it's almost a way of thinking and a way of analyzing and problem solving and teamwork that really needs to fit into all areas of the curriculum. So training is one problem. And then you may have areas low socioeconomic that may not have the resources, they may not have the training, may not have the equipment, may not have the time, may not have the size of the room you need. I was in a school, a middle school in Philadelphia that was the best STEM middle school room I've ever seen. The teacher was incredible, a lot better middle school teacher than I ever was. And he had equipment way beyond what I had. I had pretty good equipment. And I was so impressed. I'm like, wow, doing amazing things. And then some other schools, not quite the same. So it's not uniform. That's something we need to all work on. And we need to encourage and fund STEM education. I know in my middle school and high school that I attended that in the middle school, STEM was actually an elective that students got to choose whether or not they wanted to take. And then in high school, it was kind of an academy program. So you had to test to get into STEM. And I absolutely agree that it should be more readily available, even at that extent, that all students, regardless of whether they test in, which I understand why they have the testing to have it as an incentive, but I absolutely agree that it should be more readily available to all students, not just those who test into it. What more can be done to advance the cause of STEM among women? And what future projects are you specifically working on? Well, we've pick up, you know, I guess I'd definitely say more training, more awareness of what women, women of color have done in the STEM field 
can do in the STEM field, erasing stereotypes, and that's one goal of the book without a shadow of a doubt, addressing the stereotypes, addressing the fact that there are incredible role models out there. You know, moving, there is, the tr- I got to tell you, there is a tremendous push. There are so many organizations out there, women in STEM, girls in STEM, that I have found that are out there right now. It needs to be publicized. It's something that a project that I'm thinking of doing, having a newsletter on this exact thing to get the word out. Now that's getting out there, my name as well. And when the book comes out, I think that having a newsletter or some kind of area where information that people don't know about that's so important can be, you know, put out there. And there is in this country, obviously, a tremendous push to even the playing field and give opportunity for for everyone. So I think it's going to be very much accepted. So those are some of the key things we need to do. And one of them is my job. (laughs) Absolutely. And we'll be right back with more A Community Affair after this. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to A Community Affair. I'm your host and public affairs director, Megan Steckler, and today I'm here with Dr. Chris Goldberg, who is an expert in STEM education and promotion, as well as being an experienced journalist, entrepreneur, and author. His upcoming children's book, Aaliyah and the STEM-sational Problem Solvers, Cooking Up the Winning Dessert, addresses the positives of STEM education and promotion of women and women of color in the STEM field. So moving right along to our last couple of questions here. Speaking of your book, could you explain what the book is about a little bit more? Yes, it is. uh, There's three nine-year-olds. They're fourth graders, Aaliyah, and she has two partners. One of them is Graciela, who is a Latino girl, and Drew, who is a white boy. And the three of them are best friends, and they're always in a team when they have any kind of activity involved in STEM, and they have a challenge to cook a dessert that's going to be judged by their STEM teacher in cooking class, actually, to really um, honor Dr. West on National STEM Day. And they have all kinds of drama and, and roadblocks that they have to overcome. A lot of bad luck happens. There's a cat involved. If you've ever known about cats that get into things, they, uh, not to give away the story, but a cat causes a lot of trouble. And they have to continually problem solve using the engineering design process, which is a very key part of STEM education. And with hopes of winning a contest, and at the very end, I, you know, I won't give it away, of course, but there's a very good ending and a very important message, I think. The book, the manuscript is 99% finished. I was fortunate enough to have it STEM reviewed by STEM.org, which is a great organization that reviews STEM supplies and books because I, I did attempt to meet all the international standards of technology in STEM. And I think we addressed most or all of them in the book. And the other great thing is my I, I worked with t- two of my students from my former school, Norwood School and Interborough School District that are in fifth grade. And we did the book together and they did the illustrations. So I have two 10-year-olds doing all the illustrations. We're just about finished. It's going to go to the publisher within the next month, and the book should be out in August, September at the latest. And there's so many great events coming. Dr. Gladys West will turn 92 in October, and then we have National STEM Day November 8th, then International Computer Science Week in December, the second week in December, which was very big when I was teaching. And, you know, there's Black History Month, Women's History Month. So there's a lot of fantastic events coming up where we can push 
what, what our message is. And I think the message is very, very important. So I'm very excited about that. Yeah, that sounds super exciting. And I love that all those events are kind of coming together around the same time that this book is coming out. So last but not least, where can listeners pick up a copy of this book and where can we find more information? I do have a website. It's not fully done yet, but it's chrisgoldbergbooks.com. So that will be obviously one way to get the book. It will be on Amazon and you can order it as well. So you can get it digitally or you can get the book. And I am going to have a lot of resources on my site. I'm working on that now, which should be ready in the next two months at the most. Like I said, the book should be out in August, if not September. And, you know, I'm going to network with a lot of different organizations. So I, I probably, you know, I'd love to come back on your show if possible when the book comes out, if that's humanly possible. <laughs> and uh, because I think people may, might be interested so it will be out there and, and I'll be continually pushing it in the field. So, you know, you'll probably see me or hear me or hear of me. So because I'm going to be fairly relentless on this subject. Absolutely. And Dr. Chris Goldberg, thank you so much for being here with me today and speaking to me. It was a pleasure having you. Fantastic to be here, Megan. Love to come back. And just uh, I appreciate recognizing such an important facet of education. After speaking with Dr. Goldberg, I also wanted to get a student's perspective. So today I'm also talking with Shruti Dalwadi, an honors biomedical engineering student at Rowan University to share her thoughts on STEM education. So Shruti, thank you so much for speaking with me today. You're welcome, Megan. Thanks for giving me the opportunity of speaking with you. Anytime. So was there any specific moment or event in your life that got you interested in STEM? Like what piqued your interest in the first place? So for me, I don't think there was a specific moment. I just knew from an early age, like elementary school, middle school, I was always interested in math and science, and I was always trying to get into like math sports and STEM clubs. But I also remember in sixth grade, I joined this environmental science club, and we just did some science experiments, like the egg drop, and all these projects were a lot of fun. In high school, I also tried to take all the AP sciences, like this AP bio, AP chem, and I honestly truly just enjoyed the aspect of learning more about science and engineering and the idea of problem solving and looking at the real world and looking at problems and trying to find solutions for them. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think that's really cool that your school had programs where you could look into different kinds of STEM fields and different kinds of sciences. So why did you choose to pursue a degree in biomedical engineering specifically? Why that facet of engineering? I've always been interested in both engineering and medicine, and biomedical engineering was a nice midway bridge between both science and engineering. I remember my senior year of high school, I attended this program. It was called Rowan Academy of Sciences for Medicine. Here, Dr. Brewer, Rowan Engineering, specifically BME, he came and presented about biomedical engineering and all the projects he had going in his lab. And he also talked about his startup with Gel Tech. And that really piqued my interest in biomedical engineering. That's ultimately why I chose to major in it. I was already thinking about it, but that piqued my main interest. Is that also what made you want to go to Rowan as well? I don't think that was the reason I chose Rowan, but it did make me look at Rowan more. So what do you want to do with your degree after you graduate? So for me personally, I either want to go to med school or I want to work in the pharmaceutical field. Oh, that's really cool. 
STEM is known to be a primarily male-dominated field. Why do you think it is important for women and women of color to pursue a career and education in STEM? I think a lot of women get discouraged from taking up a career in a heavily math or science-dominated field because they think it's too hard or it's going to be too challenging. But I think everyone should be able to should push themselves to unleash their creativity. I absolutely agree that everyone should have the same opportunities and should just go after what they're interested in, not look at who's actually in the field. Oh, there's more men in this field, so I feel like I can't do it. Have you ever faced any obstacles in your field of study, and what were some of those challenges? I haven't faced any like pressing obstacles, but it's just the basics that some things are, especially in engineering, the concepts and the classes you take, they're very difficult. And you also don't have as much time. The biggest challenges I faced this past year are time management and not procrastinating and trying to balance all my schoolwork and having somewhat of a social life. Yes, STEM is really difficult because I know you guys go through clinic and all of these other hands-on classes that a lot of other students don't have that kind of opportunity or that kind of class that they have to take for their major. So I know that it's a lot more field work and more hands-on classwork and doing all these high-scale projects alongside professors. Mm -hmm. Do you have any advice for young women who want to pursue an education in STEM? Like, is there anything that you wish someone told you when you were younger about the field? So recently, I've been doing a lot of workshops with middle school girls, and we've invited a lot of panelists to come and give advice to the young middle schoolers. And some of the things I've heard that I would pass on is that you don't have to be really good at math or really good at science. You just have to have an interest. Like you don't have to be a straight-A student, perfect grades in both math and science. You just need to have that interest and curiosity in science and math and just solving problems in the real world. If you have that, you can be an engineer and there's no limit to what you can do. But you honestly just have to work hard and keep at it and you'll do it great. And that's all the questions I have. So again, Trudy, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to speak with me. And I'm Megan Steckler and this has been a Community Affair. You've been listening to A Community Affair. Be sure to join us on the third Saturday of every month at 9 a.m. as we discuss the important issues that impact you and our community. Only here on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM.